Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All you need is a few minutes to start your day off with something historic when you listen to the This Day in History podcast. Every day there's a new episode for you to listen and learn about what happened that day way back when. So listen and subscribe to This Day in History wherever you get your podcasts. That's This Day in History wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Yeah, I don't think I've ever felt this achy, ever. I think you'll be fine. In my life. (laughs) So we're getting ready for travel, and we wanted to get updated on our vaccinations, uh, but we decided that we'd do them all at once. Sure. We got our COVID vaccination, our booster. We got uh, our uh, flu vaccination, and I got my shingles vaccination, and I think last night at one point in time, I thought I was dying and I was ready to hurry the process along. I think that you are fine. You're such a baby sometimes. I'm so achy. Um, I think you're okay. I'm okay. I just, I'm achy. Yeah. I mean, it feels a little bit like I got whacked in the arm and I do have a bit of a headache. I feel very, uh, almost hungover, but I'll make it and so will you. Oh, I'll make it. I just want to milk it for everything I can get. It's going to be very little. (laughs) (laughs) I have a question for you. I love questions. What is a Dybbuk box? A Dybbuk box. Isn't that where you keep spirits? Yeah, it is. It's a box that some say has entrapped a Dybbuk. Isn't, wasn't Hellraiser loosely based there, on that there concept? There are a number of uh, movies that are based on the Dybbuk box. A Dybbuk comes from traditional Jewish mysticism and is a malicious spirit believed to be the dislocated soul of a dead person. The term first appeared in several writings from the 16th century. It's associated with demonic possession. It possesses its victims and will only leave the host body once it's accomplished its uh, goal or has been exercised. Okay. Dybbuk's tend to be male spirits. And oh, they, yeah. I didn't know that specifically. That's neat. Traditionally, they possessed women on the eve of their weddings, typically in a sexual fashion. Oh. By entering the woman through their vaginas. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and say not cool. The Dybbuk box is used to trap and contain the Dybbuk, separating and isolating it to prevent it from possessing anyone or doing any harm. There are reportedly 10 Dybbuk boxes 
around the world. And it's claimed that eight of them are found. Oh. The legend goes that if all 10 are found and opened, releasing the Dybbuk, it would bring such pain and suffering on the world as never been before seen. Very Pandora's box-ish. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. The most famous Dybbuk box is a wine cabinet that was purchased in 2001 by a furniture refinisher named Kevin Manis. He purchased it at an estate sale with the idea of fixing it up as a gift for his mom. Oh, that's nice. The estate sale was at the home of a Holocaust survivor. Oh. Uh, when he purchased the cabinet, the Holocaust survivor's granddaughter said, Oh, you bought the Dybbuk box. It was then that she explained the history of this particular piece of furniture. I just checked, and apparently Hellraiser is not connected to Dybbuk's. My bad. I just got real excited because it's nearly Halloween and it's time for me to bring out my Chatterer costume. I know. It's the most magical time of year. <laughs> so the cabinet was purchased in Spain by a woman who had escaped a German concentration camp. She ultimately immigrated to the United States, bringing with her the Dybbuk box. It was her wish to be buried when she passed away with the Dybbuk box. But because it conflicted with Jewish tradition, her family did not honor that wish and the mm. box was sold at this estate sale. So Kevin takes the wine cabinet slash Dybbuk box back to his shop to fix it up. When he opened it up, he found some very strange things inside. The Dybbuk box contained a golden wine chalice, a candlestick holder with tentacle legs, a dried rosebud, two locks of hair bound in old pieces of ribbon, two 1920s wheatback pennies, <gasps> I know, I thought that would interest you. <laughs> a stone with the Hebrew word shalom engraved on it. Of course, that's the Hebrew word for peace. And the Shema prayer carved into the wood. Now, the Shema prayer is the cornerstone of the Jewish morning and evening prayers. As soon as Kevin took possession of it, weird things started to happen. One day at his shop, while he was out running some errands, the security gates came crashing down and locked his employee inside the basement. Just as that happened, all of the light bulbs in the basement exploded. Ooh, I don't like that. Understandably, the clerk quit. I, yeah. yeah. I, yep. um, if I get locked in a basement, if gates come slamming down and lock me in the basement and all the light bulbs explode at mm -hmm. the same time, um, I'm in the wrong profession. <laughs> Kevin did ultimately give the cabinet to his mother for her birthday. Okay. <laughs> he Here, did, you, you, you have this you, box of nightmares. Yes. <laughs> and she immediately suffered a stroke. Oh, no. She told Kevin she did not want it in her house. Oh, I hope Kevin didn't take that personally. I'm sure he didn't. He took it back to his place. That's about the time when he started having nightmares of being beaten repeatedly by a dark cloaked figure that he interpreted as looking like a demonic hag. When he would wake up from these nightmares, he would often have bruises on his body. Ooh. On one occasion, his sister came to visit at his house and she experienced the same nightmare while staying there. So at this point, Kevin decided, I'm going to sell this Dybbuk box. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he listed it on eBay in 2003. Now, we've all heard all kinds of stories about 
haunted mason jars and various artifacts that were supposed to be haunted, selling for ridiculous amounts of money on eBay. But the Dybbuk box was not one of them. That It only sold for about $148, which is less than he paid for it at the estate sale. But he was happy to just get rid of it. Yeah, so it would seem. The person who bought it was a man named Losef Nitschke. He was a student studying at Truman State University in Missouri. Weird things started happening immediately to Losef. He brought the box into his apartment and all the lights burned out at the same time. And then his hair began to fall out. So it wasn't long before he said, yeah, I'm going to get rid of this too. And he gave the box to a museum director by the name of James Haxton. Mr. Haxton, being a museum director, took an academic approach to the Dybbuk box. He tried very hard to understand exactly what it was. He interviewed several rabbis and was able to track down the Dybbuk box's original owner, the descendants of the Holocaust survivor. Okay. His thought was that it was some sort of, of a prayer altar. Now, Haxton began to experience his own misfortunes. Oh, no. Once he took possession of the Dybbuk box, the very day it arrived at his place, a huge tree fell on his house and nearly destroyed the entire building. His vision unexplainably started to deteriorate, nearly rendering him blind. He also started developing big red welts all over his body. Oh. But the weirdest thing that happened, and this creeps me out the most, he put it in a room in his house, and the wall right behind the dibbit box began to swarm with venomous centipedes. Ew, no! Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Oh, I don't like that. So in an attempt to contain the negative energy, he built a sacred container known as an ark like the Ark of the Covenant. Sure, sure. It was made of acacia wood and gold, and he put the Dybbuk box inside the sacred Ark container and put the Ark inside a military-style shipping crate. Its next stop is where you can see the Dybbuk box today. It's currently on display in its own exhibit room at the Haunted Museum in Las Vegas, which is owned by famed ghost hunter Zach, Zach Baggins. Zach Baggins. Yep. He I buys all that I was just weird. looking up Zach Baggins stuff like yesterday. It's so weird. He buys all kinds of weird mm. shit. He bought the cauldron that um, Ed Gein used to boil the bodies down. Uh, I think he bought Annabelle, the doll Annabelle. Yeah. I'll have to double check on that. But he buys all this crap and he puts it in, in his museum. And it continues to mystify. In the walls around the Dybbuk box at the Haunted Museum, protruding holes began to appear in the walls, almost as if something was trying to break out from within the exhibit. Oof. That's according to a spokesman for the museum. In addition, several people have claimed to have seen a black-cloaked figure passing by the door of the exhibit room, and it doesn't matter whether the museum is open or closed. According to author and investigator Charles Moss, in an article he wrote for Input Magazine, he received an email from Zach Baggins that said, quote, Since owning the Dybbuk box, there have been countless documented experiences people have had with it, not just with myself, but my museum staff, my fellow crew members, visitors, and most notably, Post Malone. Post Malone? Yeah. How was he connected to this? Well, he was there for a taping with Zach Baggins, and he touched the Dybbuk box, and things started going 
really bad for him in a hurry. Oh, no. During an appearance on Late Night with Seth Meyers, he said, quote, We opened up this creepy Dybbuk box. I got into a car accident. I almost had a plane wreck and my house was broken into. All types of weird stuff, all within a month's time. It was really, really odd stuff. Huh. Baggins also claims that multiple guests have been severely affected in the Dybbuk box exhibition room in the museum to the point where some have had to be escorted out on a stretcher by EMT personnel. My goodness. Now, I think energy can attach to items. I'm not saying it's intelligent energy sure. necessarily, but I often wonder about that energy that may have attached to old historic places and objects. There have been countless claims of items purchased at estate sales and antique shops like mm. jewelry that have uh, had some sort of negative aura about them. I myself have seen old items uh, at like a museum or something, and I've had this sense or feeling of sorrow or foreboding that comes from them. Yeah, I've I've had that happen with people. (laughs) Yes, yeah. yeah. It's just, it's an aura. It's a feeling you can get. Ma'am, you are dork. (laughs) I tell myself it's my imagination, but I really don't believe me. (laughs) My source information, Input Magazine, NME.com, Wikipedia, and History Magazine, The Dybbuk Box. Very interesting. There are very few things that scare me more than the idea of demonic entities. Like if it's a monster or something, I figure I can run away. Sure. You know, I, got a, I got a shot. Okay. You know? But if it's a spirit, for me, I just feel totally defenseless. Yeah. That's how I feel when my phone rings. Like, I... <laughs> Just text me. Why are yeah, you yeah, I understand doing that. this to me exactly. emotionally? Yeah. Uh-huh. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids, 
and they live about 3,000 miles away. And my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life, Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout, and you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. And now, that thing in the middle. With all of the incredible advances of technology, especially automotive technology, a person could be forgiven if they thought it's much safer on the road these days. But along with the advances in automotive technology, advances in other areas have actually made it more dangerous. I'm looking at you, driver who's texting. Here's a couple of facts that might make you change your mind about texting while driving. Driving a vehicle while texting is six times more dangerous than driving while intoxicated. Texting and moving vehicles causes more than 3,000 deaths and 330,000 injuries a year. That's according to the Harvard Center for Risk Analysis Study. And the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration reports that sending or receiving a text takes a driver's eyes from the road for about 4.6 seconds on average. Moving at 55 miles per hour, this is like driving the length of an entire football field while blindfolded. We got a message from Brooke on Instagram. Spooky greetings, Kat and Jethro. I had to take a second to laugh this morning as I used the restroom at my mother's. Not only is this a book that I think you would find interesting, but it also reminded me of Kat's poop log in her bathroom. It's a uh, bathroom guest book. And they write, I vividly remember my grandmother always having a book about what your dreams mean in her bathroom, but this just made me giggle. It sent me down a rabbit hole. Is it normal to keep books in your bathroom? The answers vary, but this Amazon recommendation sent me to the floor. Hope you guys did okay during the storm. I live in Sarasota, home of Stephen King's book, Duma Key. And luckily, we didn't have too much damage. Keep flying that freak flag. Brooke. Brooke. The bathroom guest book that she sent from Amazon, my friend Mandy has that, and I have signed it. Really? Yep. It has the uh, option to describe your experience in that bathroom. (laughs) 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 Uh, Anyway. That that makes for some fascinating reading. Mm. Crystal sent us an email while listening to Box 471. I heard you mention the overturned truck full of dildos and how it was a pretty popular topic amongst your fans. Mm. Well, that was my odd boo moment. And what a weird one to connect with. That happened here in Oklahoma City. My husband and I are both firefighters for the city. And it was his fire crew who happened to make the call on that accident. (gasps) 
Can you imagine that truck being in front of you when it tipped over and suddenly you have a bunch of dildos and lube nailing your windshield? (laughs) I'm sure insurance companies thought they were being pranked. The highway was shut down a pretty good distance both ways for quite a while, and rightfully so. I can only imagine the amount of people who would have quickly pulled over to grab a few items on their way home. No. Not street dildos. No, that's not cool. <laughs> Any who's will keep up the great work on an amazing show. Love y'all. Oh, thank you. Hannah writes, I'm listening to Box 437. I'm dyslexic. I'm so sorry. Hannah writes, I'm listening to Box 473, and Kat is talking about geese. Here in central Illinois, it is actually illegal to kill them. So they have the run of the place. They will walk right in front of cars and sit in the middle of the intersection for as long as they want because they know (laughs) they won't get hit. That's the way it should be. I think that birds should pretty much be able to make the rules. I mean, not like all the rules. I just feel like they should be able to feel comfortable in the space where they live, is all I'm saying. Okay. That's, you know, stop looking at me like that. I'm not obsessed with birds. I'm just thinking that maybe you're obsessed with birds. No, I'm not. All right. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We were watching you during that story that Jethro just told. We saw what you were doing. Damn, you turn us on. This is The Box of Oddities. Heather sent us this message on Instagram, and it included details about this haunted location. She said it might be more for you, and then maybe I should pass it along. And I was like, yeah, Heather, maybe I will. Uh, but <laughs> because, you know, I'm from Bucksport, Buck's Tomb. I love a haunted cemetery. Of course you do. So today we are taking a trek to New Hampshire because New England... Very well known for having a reputation for being super creepsville. And the town of Hollis in New Hampshire is no exception. Today we are visiting the Pine Hill Cemetery. 
The land for Pine Hill Cemetery was originally donated by a man named Benjamin Parker Jr., which <laughs> immediately the theme to Ghostbusters popped in my head. And <laughs> and then I was like, why did that happen? And then I was like, Ray Parker Jr., got it. Right, and it's a haunted cemetery. Right. So it, it all ties together. Thank you. Quite well. It was the year 1769, and uh, Ray, Benjamin Parker Jr. donated this land. And uh, there are several markers in this cemetery that simply haven't made it. Like I said, it was started in 1769. So time just did what it does. And also vandalism, which is a real problem. And in those early days, a lot of the original tombstones were made out of slate, Mm. which is a very soft rock. Malleable. And uh, over time, and not much time, Weather erodes all the writing away from them, and and ultimately will just break them down into a pile of rubble. Right. So the area where these markers would have stood uh, is now just a bare spot where you know that probably people are buried, but you can't uh, Mm -hmm. be sure. Mm -hmm. One lasted long enough, though, to become pretty well known and to give the cemetery its nickname, Blood Cemetery. Its nickname comes from one of its residents, Abel Blood. Abel died at the age of 70 and was laid to rest in 1867. He's buried next to his wife, Betsy. Abel Blood. Abel Blood, right? What a name. I know. My friends Aaron and Gabe have a baby named Abel, and they're just the most beautiful family, but they're also like super spooky. And so whenever they post like (laughs) updates on their Instagram, I love seeing their spooky family photos and like peeping on their year-round Halloween home decor. It's They're just, their goals is all I'm saying. The Blood family has a large plot in the cemetery, and while not confirmed, many people believe that the Blood family was actually murdered. It's unclear if that part is true, but it is believed by many that this particular spirit is not at rest, and it haunts the cemetery. Wow. Abel Blood's grave marker has information on his death, death date, etc., his age when he died, Betsy's information in addition to an engraving of a hand with the pointer finger extended pointing upward. But for decades, people were drawn to the cemetery and share its lore because some said that if you stayed in the cemetery after dark, sometimes you'd see the dead man's hand switch positions and was now instead pointing downward to hell. Others claim that this phenomena has combined with or alternates with a blood-colored fluid appearing out of nowhere, pooling in the bottom of the recessed area where the hand engraving is, dripping down the face of the headstone. People in the cemetery report being pushed or knocked off their feet. They hear unexplained bells ringing from the ground, hearing disembodied voices, seeing figures, anomalies, peripheral movement, orbs in photos that they took. Visitors have reported hearing tapping noises coming from all around them, and of course, cold patches on very warm days. You name it. If it is a cliched cemetery activity, it's what's going on here at the cemetery. There. Yeah. Wow. 
Rumors spread throughout the years that the spirit of a young child jumps out in front of moving cars on the road leading to the cemetery. It causes them to hit their brakes and leave skid marks. And you can see years and years and years of skid marks on this road. No kidding. All in the same space? Mm-hmm. Well, that's fascinating. It's said that the boy seems to be trying to flag down vehicles for assistance. And when they stop, the boy vanishes. Roadside ghost. Teenagers driving by the cemetery reported seeing a relative of Abel's, Mary Blood, in their rearview mirrors. I don't know how they know it was Mary Blood specifically. I didn't see any details about how Mm. they would have identified her, but that's what they say. But these seem to be isolated rumors that spread specifically during the 70s and 80s, which, as we all know, were a crazy wild time for ghost rumors. Also cocaine. And cocaine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The Abel Blood headstone, it should be noted, is no longer at the cemetery because it was broken by vandals. And again, uh, we have to reiterate that cemeteries are, yes, interesting places. They can be spooky. Yes, there's an incredible history there. And it's absolutely understandable to want to be there and explore and see what you can see. But vandalizing a cemetery is never Mm -mm. okay. And it is a real problem. About 15 minutes away from Blood Cemetery, which, by the way, is how people from our area measure distance, is (laughs) Nashua's Gilson Road Cemetery. Records suggest that this area was the site of multiple battles with indigenous peoples, and the stone walls of Gilson Road Cemetery originally surrounded a family farmhouse. After the house burned down and several family members unfortunately died in the fire, those who were lost in the fire were buried nearby and a new home was constructed. This home, eerily, was also lost to fire. And again, several people in the home passed away. Oddly, when I was reading the list, when I was reading this part about the story, I got a waft of smoky air in front of me. And what? it was like, yeah, I could smell. You're here in the apartment? Yeah, I could smell burning wood. Wow. It was so weird. Wow. And um, it's, I mean, it's very warm here. It's unlikely that someone's having a campfire. Mm. But Mm. anyway, people claim to encounter a high number of orbs, cold spots, or physical phenomena in this cemetery. It's been said that walking through there at night feels like you're walking through molasses. Mm. Folks say they've seen the ghost of a woman named Betty Gilson dressed in colonial garb and that they've had to swerve to avoid hitting her ghost or I guess going through her ghost. I don't know. um, While driving on the road. Reports from this particular resting place include a green glowing effect above Joseph Gilson's grave. And there are legends of an insane medicine man who would lure Revolutionary War soldiers to their death at the cemetery grounds. Well, that's not very nice. No. Now we're going to tootle about 30 minutes from this cemetery to Vale End Cemetery in Wilton, New Hampshire. This cemetery is first mentioned in town records in 1772 when the town voted to, quote, fence the burying yard. (laughs) In 1780, the town voted to upgrade the fence to a stone wall. It seems like they were very concerned with keeping the insides of the cemetery inside and the outside outside. 
Not sure if it's because this creepy phenomena has been going on for this long, but anyway, we're moving along. There is the resting place of the Blue Lady, Mary Ritter Spaulding. She is buried at the back right side of the cemetery, and the Blue Lady manifests primarily as a column of blue light above her grave, which I think sounds really nice. It sounds pleasant. Right? Mm. Doesn't that sound like a friendly ghost? It would be a ghost with a calming presence. Right. And that's the word on the street is that a lot of times people will feel like they're not alone when they're at the cemetery, but not in a spooky wooky kind of way, Hmm. in a comforting, warm, motherly kind of way. Occasionally, it's said she will appear as a woman in old-fashioned attire, wandering through the cemetery. Again, not bothering anyone, just doing her thing, scoot-doodling along. Now, these are just three of seven haunted cemeteries I found within a two-and-a-half-hour radius in New Hampshire. Wow. New Hampshire, very much like Maine, has a long history of spooky business, and it's one of the reasons that New Hampshire will always hold a special place in my heart. And again, if you're going to visit a cemetery, don't fuck with the gravestones. You are so right about uh, that part of the country, New England especially, being steeped in history and... uh, Oral traditions and ghost stories and... But I, and I don't mean to interrupt, but it's so interesting because it is steeped in history, but comparatively, it's a very short history. Well, it is. And I don't mean that to sound insensitive to the indigenous peoples, uh, but of course... As far as European history goes... Our yeah. written history, what we have available to us, you know. Yeah, if you see a house that was... Uh, built like in Massachusetts you can walk around and you will see just houses on a street and there'll be a plaque on it mm. that says it's an historic uh house and it was built in you know like 1680 or something and you think oh my god that is so old and by our standards in the United States it really is yeah in my hometown of Holton Maine the Evergreen Cemetery is on the outskirts of the um of the town and originally When the town was first settled, the cemetery was right in the heart of the town. And as the town started to expand and they created a downtown area, they had to relocate all of the bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was about two blocks of of space that they had to relocate the bodies to or from. Did they? It's a good question. Part of what was the cemetery, they ultimately built a firehouse a fire station on it. And it's no longer an operating fire station. It's just a building now. I don't know what they're using it for, but there have been all kinds of sightings of ghosts in that building over the years. And Evergreen Cemetery, one side of the road is the new cemetery, and the other side is the old cemetery. And there were all kinds of rumors about this uh, half goat, half man that would wander around in the old section of the cemetery. And as kids, you know, we were like maybe 15. We thought it'd be really cool to go out there like as the sun was setting Mm. and just hang out and see if we could see this half goat, half man. And we're out there. It was me and I think three three or four other kids. And we're sitting on the side of a hill. And we start hearing hoof beats. No. The sound of hooves clicking on the gravel road that led into the cemetery. And we started freaking out. Of course you did. So we ran down to the bottom of the hill and hid behind a mausoleum and peeked out. 
just as a guy on a horse rode by. <laughs> hey, boys. <laughs> Apparently, it's a popular place for riding one's horse. Sure. <laughs> but that town is just steeped in all kinds of freaky, strange sure ghost stories and history yeah well wasn't holden one of the places where the some of the salem yeah. witch trial people yeah. were given like land yeah, at, we, we for were just, reparations just talking about this um not too long ago maine was part of massachusetts up until the early 1800s right. and after the Salem witch trials, yeah, as reparation to the families of some of those that were executed, they gave them a piece of the uppermost part of what was Massachusetts. Right. Upper- we're so sorry. Please go all the way up all there. The way, yeah. And they went to an area that was called New Salem mm-hmm. for a while. And it is literally a mile from the Canadian border. Right. That town is now Holton, Maine. So, yeah, there's all kinds of strange, dark history there. Yeah. But again, I think the oldest bar in Europe is like from the year a thousand. So, you know. It pales in comparison. It really does. (laughs) Starting to put together our bonus Halloween episodes this year. Thanks to those who have submitted their stories. We got quite a few. The most wonderful time of the year. I think we may have enough to do two episodes again this year. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Yeah, yeah. So are we going to do two bonus episodes or are we going to, how do I don't know how we, we'll figure that out as, as we go along, but I think there's enough material for, for two episodes. Well, Halloween is on Monday and that's our regular drop day anyway. So maybe that'll be one episode and we'll, we'll put a bonus episode sometime the week before. Yeah, like maybe Saturday. Yeah, maybe something like that. Okay. Okay, awesome. I like that idea. Anyway, thanks for hanging out with us, you guys. You're the best. We appreciate you, and we'll see you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. And fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Henceforth, the box of oddities commits to the telling of stories, stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com On Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast. On Twitter at Box of Oddities and Instagram at Box of Oddities Podcast. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from.
join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be.